Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you and I hope you enjoy this episode. Bible, bring you open with me to Micah chapter 5. Come on, let's hear those Bibles pages turning. Micah chapter 5, and if you also want to put a marker... In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we get people moving in 11.15, come on, here we go. I'm excited about the word this morning, I really believe I have a word on my heart for our people. Two services already, and I'm excited about what God is going to do and is already doing in this service. So Micah chapter 5 is another messianic verse or passage that we see in scripture and I think is really a powerful one to consider today. So here we go, Micah chapter 5. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. Verse 2, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is ruler to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up. Until the time when she who is in labor has given birth, then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. Speaking about the Jewish people coming back. And it says, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And I love the promise right here, the very last part of verse 4. Look at what it says. And it says, and they, speaking of the people of God, speaking of you, speaking of me, speaking of your family. It says, and they shall dwell secure. What that means is to take up an inheritance, to take up God's inheritance, the full share of your inheritance, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. The message, the title of the message this morning, if you're taking notes, this is the title, He Has a Way. He has a way. Last week I preached a message called, He's on the way, but today he has a way. Come on, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word today, your holy word. God, we're so grateful for everything you're doing in our house and everything you're doing for your people. God, we're so grateful for Christmas week and all that it represents. Lord, I thank you that so much is happening this week, but really what's happening this week is all over again. We're just falling in love with you and what you've done and how you work and how much of a blessing you are in our lives, Lord. Father, we thank you for Jesus, which is the reason for this season. And Father, we thank you for all that you're doing through our kids, through the generations. Lord, we thank you that you're making a way in their lives as well, in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. amen. Well, last week I spoke from Isaiah chapter 40, and I kind of began, I want to begin the same sort of way this week, but really this time of year, I love Christmas, I love the gathering of people, I love the fact that we get together as families and we spend time together and we decorate and all that sort of stuff is all great. But really, I love this time of year because it really is an opportunity for all of us to stop all over again and to just be arrested for a moment by the miracle of the incarnation of God. The incarnation of God, the miracle of the deity of Jesus and the birth of Christ. It's just powerful, I believe, every year for a believer to stop and just consider Yes, it's all great. All the stuff is amazing. I'm all about it. It's fantastic. 
But just to stop and consider the miracle of the incarnation. I wonder when's the last time you just stopped and you thought about the incarnation. That the Son of God, born in human form and likeness, God in the flesh, the incarnation. And what a miracle that is. John chapter 1 and verse 14, look, it says, And the Word became flesh, look at it, and dwelt among us. It's a miracle. And we have seen his glory, the glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. In Isaiah 40 last week, I shared that passage, but remember what it says in verse 3. It says, a voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. And then in verse 5, it says, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. In other words, he's on the way, he's coming into the world, and he's coming for me. And it says, and all flesh shall see it together. So in one sense, in Isaiah 40, you're seeing the prophecy given. Isaiah preached, this is what will happen. And isn't it amazing, church? In John chapter 1, verse 14, John records and says, we have seen his glory. So Isaiah says, it will be revealed to all flesh. And John records, we saw it with our own eyes, the glory of the Lord, the one and only Son, full of grace and truth. Come on, we need to get excited today about the incarnation, the deity of Jesus, the fact that God decided that he would come into our world to save us. So this week, Micah chapter 5 is another messianic verse. It's interesting that Isaiah's life and Micah's life overlap. Um, they, uh, they, they were alive at the same time. Isaiah in Jerusalem and Micah in a smaller country town. But it's interesting at this time, this is when God was bringing forth, he was speaking, he was letting his people know that I'm on the way, I'm coming. This is what's going to happen. He's coming into the world, it will happen. He says, but you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me the one who is to be ruler in Israel. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why Bethlehem? Why Bethlehem? I mean, Bethlehem for us now is, is, is a household name. We know Bethlehem. We understand, uh, yeah, Bethlehem, Jesus. I mean, we sing about it. We, we, we get our kids up and we have this amazing moment where we sing about Bethlehem and all that God did there. But you ever thought about why Bethlehem? Why that place? See, it's interesting that when the wise men came to worship in Matthew chapter 2, they came, they were led by the star and they came, but they asked the question, they said, where is he? It's in Matthew 2, verse 1, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and came to worship him. And this got back to Herod. And what Herod did was, by the way, big shout out to our Herod this morning, Sheriff Herod. Did an amazing job, my personal favorite. But I love that, you know, even, even this was depicted quite well this morning. But Herod, he, instead of himself knowing the word, he had to gather up the Bible scholars. So he gets, he gets the chief priests together and the Bible scholars and the people. And he's just like, yes, where is he? What's the deal here? Tell me what's happening. What, what, what is, where is he going to be? Where is he? And they knew because the moment that you talked about the Messiah, any Jew that knows the word would have known about Micah 5 and would understand it. It's either got something to do with David, which is where he was from, or it's got something to do with the Messiah. 
And so that's why they said Bethlehem. But you ever thought about the significance of Bethlehem? So point number one this morning, just as we get into the text, point number one, write this down. God can use anything. God can use anything. The significance of Bethlehem is that it had no significance. It had no significance. You could say, well, what about David? Yes, it's true. That's where David was from. And it was prophesied that Jesus would be born in the, in the line of, uh, and, and reign over the house of David. God would establish his throne forever, yes. But outside of that, Bethlehem, there was no significance to Bethlehem. In fact, it says here in Micah chapter 5, it says, O you, Bethlehem, who are too little to be numbered even among the clans of Judas. And first of all, take out the possibility of it being amongst the, the tribes, the names, the 12 names, the families of Israel, but not even within the clans of one of the tribes. But God can use anything. So write this down. What the world considers small, God considers great. God can take what, what the world considers is small and make it great. Let me say it a different way. God makes use of what the world says is useless. That's the significance of Bethlehem. It had no significance to the world. It was just a small place. It was just kind of out of the way. It was part of Judea. It was just, it was just a insignificant place. But this is the way that God works. He has a way. And it's important not to miss that despite the seeming insignificance of Bethlehem, God was doing something in Bethlehem. God said he would make the ruler come from Bethlehem. What's even more amazing is God chose a place that doesn't get even a mention anywhere else. Think about the cities. I mean, why couldn't it have been a London type place? Why couldn't it have been a Rome type place with earthly majesty and all the great intelligent people coming from where the great universities and schools were? Why couldn't it have been a, a place that, that just produced great leaders? Because here's the truth. God has a way of doing things. And what God considers great is sometimes not what we consider great. And what, God, what the world considers to be insignificant, God sometimes says, that's significant to me. And this is the way that God works and chooses to work even to this day. But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come. I love what it says here. It says, from you shall come for me. This is God. You ever notice when, when God raises someone up to do something significant, it's always for him, not for them. It's always for his glory, not for their glory. It's always for his purpose, not their purpose. It's always for his fame and his renown. Never the person that's being raised up to do the work for the Lord. God can use anything. It was significant because no one could take the credit for it. John Piper said it this way. He said it was, it was so an innkeeper couldn't even boast. An innkeeper couldn't even boast because the innkeeper didn't even give him the room, sent him around the back, said, do your best. There's a barn back there. Bethlehem had no credit, so God would get all the credit. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 27. This is what Paul says. He says, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. 
God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, you who are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, look at it, boasts in the Lord. What does this tell us today? I feel like this is a hope-filled message for someone today. That God is on the way, but God will use anything to bring about His purpose. That's the way God works. I'd love it if you could write this down. God has a way that He likes to do things. God has a way that He likes to do things. His ways are not our ways, says the Scriptures. In fact, in Psalm 25 and verse 4, so what David says, he says, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Verse 8, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. You know, in the, uh, in the early church, when the, the church was brand new, In the early years, it was never called the church. Yes, it was a gathering of people, but it was never called the church. You know what it was called? It was called the way. That's how it was described. That's how people knew. Oh, you're a follower of the way. Yes, the way. What's the way? Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. God has a way that he likes to do things. Sometimes we can get so frustrated. I know I can get so frustrated. I just, I'm just, sometimes I pray in my own finite human way. And I'm just like, God, will you get on board with my program? I'm trying to do something here, God. I've got time constraints, school pickups at three. Like, God, come on, can you just work to my time schedule? Can you just do what I need you to do in the way that I want it to be done? But I need the revelation and I need the reminder on a Sunday morning sometimes that God has a way that he likes to do things and they're not my ways. But he has a way. And he has a way and he can use anything in Jesus' name. But the good thing is, and the promise is, we can learn his ways. Like the psalmist said, teach me your ways. I like to do things with my father-in-law. My father-in-law is very good at building things and he could basically fix anything, build anything. He's just basically way better than I am. Um, and I love it. I love, I love working with him on stuff. And just recently we've, we, we built something together and I was just thinking about this and I was thinking about the ways of God and I, was, I feel like the Lord sort of showed me this picture. I would never go to him and say, hey, let's go build a house right now. I got some two by four and a hammer, let's go. Because I know that he would not do that. He would say, no, let's not go. (laughs) Let's sit down with pencil and paper and think and plan and design and come up with a strategy and figure out our materials list and do what we need to do. And then once we've done all that, then we'll go and we'll build the house. This is what I've come to learn about this person, my father-in-law, who I know, I know his ways. And what the Bible teaches us and why the Bible is so beautiful in our lives is this is how we learn the ways of God and we can learn his ways. I've been living and serving Jesus now for nearly 20 years and this is what I know that's different in 20 years. I now know his ways. Let me tell you some of the ways of God. He has ways of faithfulness. He has ways of steadfast love. 
He has ways of sowing and reaping. Sometimes we're like, God, just give me the answer. He's like, please just sow a seed. He has ways of restoring. If you're in here today and you're broken, can I just encourage you, if you want the instant healing, God can do that. But usually the way that God works is he brings about about a deep restoration in us, starting with our souls. And he brings us through and he restores our lives. Listen to me, friend. These are the ways of God because God has a way. And he brings forth deep healing and restores us to an even better place. These are the ways of God. He has a way of lifting up the lowly. The downcast, if you're here today and you're downcast in your soul, can I just encourage you, lean into Jesus, look to Jesus, read your Bibles because God has a way of lifting up the lowly of heart and helping our eyes rise above the clouds to see heaven. These are the ways of God, but they're ways that are not our ways. God can use anything because he has a way. You might be in here today feeling like, man, God can't use me. I'm a nobody. Can I just encourage you, you should get excited today because we serve a God who takes nobodies that the world says is useless and he says, I have a use for that person. I'm going to raise them up in my name. I'm going to teach them my word. I'm going to set them alight for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and they're going to change the world. We serve a God and he has a way. Can I get an amen or a clap or an excitement? Someone get excited today because this is our God. He has a way. And he has a way that he likes to do things. He used Bethlehem so no one else could take credit. He used Bethlehem because he knew that the world said Bethlehem didn't matter. It wasn't significant enough in the world's eyes. And that's what God does. He takes things that seem insignificant and makes them significant. So number one, God can use anything. Number two, God can use anyone. God often uses the last picked. God often uses the one that nobody wants. God often uses and has a way of finding the most obscure people and raising them up. God can use anyone. Listen to me, friend. Listen to me online. He can use you. He can use you to fulfill his purpose. He can use you to raise up and to reach people. He can can use you. Of all the people, God usually has a way of turning someone the world thinks and has determined is insignificant into significant for the kingdom of God. That's why it says in verse 2, but you, O Bethlehem, look at this, who are too little. That's why it says little. It's because sometimes the world says that person is not strong enough. Sometimes the world will say that person is too broken beyond healing. Sometimes the world will say there's no way that There's there's not enough going on there. But God can use anyone. It says, from you, the little one, the one that's not even picked, the one that's not even counted, I'm going to use you. People think that, some people think that God can't use you. Can I just encourage you? God says, I can use you. God says, I have a way. He's on the way. But let's never forget, this is the way that he works. He has a way of using People. Think of the people that God has chosen to do his great work. This time of year, we think about Mary. But to the world, Mary was a nobody. To the world, Mary wasn't going to ascend to a height to do great things in the kingdom of God. No, Mary was considered in the world's eyes at a lateral level, not going anywhere. But God 
didn't see it that way. Mary to the world was a nobody, but God certainly did not believe that she was a nobody. Luke chapter 1, verse 30, look at what it says. And the angel said to her, let's just stop right there. When's the last time an angel talked to you? When's the last time an angel talked to me? But it says, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. There it is right there, the ways of God, the way that God works. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be? Since I am a virgin, you almost get the sense in the scripture that she's like, how could this be? I'm a nobody. How could this be? I don't have the potential. I don't have the spiritual pedigree. I don't have the skill. It says, how could this be? And I love what the, the angel says to her. It says this, look at it, verse 35. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit. And you might be in here today and you might have some feelings of like, I'm a nobody. I don't have what it takes. I can't achieve great things on behalf of God. God's not going to pick me. Can I just encourage you? First of all, God can use you and he will pick you, but it will be the power of the Holy Spirit combined with your decision to obey the Lord where great things can be accomplished in the name of Jesus. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And it was for Mary. God used Mary because God loved Mary and decided that he favored her. And now because of Jesus, listen to me, friend, no one is excluded from the favor of God. Everyone through Jesus Christ has God's favor. Because these are the ways of God. God decided he would raise her up. God decided that he, she and Joseph would be the very people that God would use because God has a way of taking what seems like the world says is obscure, the literal obscure people of the world and using them and building them and raising them and bringing them through. He has a way. Think about some of the other people that God has used. Team, you can come up. Think about Moses. To the people of God, Moses is just not like Moses. Moses is like Moses. You know what I'm saying? Like Moses is like there. I'm serious. The people of God, Moses is the man. Moses is the, the Christ-like, the, the, the precursor to Jesus, the, 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 the type of deliverer that Jesus would be. It's, it's like a foreshadow. That's who Moses was. But think about him for a moment. This is Moses who speaks face to face with God, like a friend. This is Moses who gets up on a mountain and receives all of the law himself and brings it down. This is Moses who leads the people of God from slavery in Egypt all the way to Canaan. Let me tell you how, how Moses started his life. For the first 80 years of his life, he was just in Pharaoh's house. You talk about a lack of significance. You talk about maybe not feeling like you have purpose. He was just in Moses and Pharaoh's house for 80 years and then God raised him up. God used him. God absolutely used him and decided that he would be the person that would lead his people out into freedom. That was Moses. Think about Rahab. 
Think about Rahab in the book of Joshua. She was a Jericho harlot. But you know what? The world at that time probably would have said, she's useless. God said, I can use her. God said, I can use her. In fact, I will use her. And she hid the spies and she had this amazing uh, confession of faith. And it was through that that the people of God came and they worshipped and the walls fell down. And one of the greatest miracles we see in Scripture is because of the faith of Rahab, a harlot. God can use anyone. She was chosen by God to be a conduit for one of the great miracles. Think about David. King David, just like Moses to the people of God, is just up there in terms of being recognized and revered. But let me tell you, David was the literal runt of the litter. He was the one, when it came to his father, was completely overlooked, if even forgotten by his earthly father. But his heavenly father, man, he had other ideas. God had other ideas for David. In fact, in Psalm 78 and 71, we see it. It says, from following nursing ewes, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. Literally took a young boy that was just in the field, looking after sheep, singing to the Lord, getting to know the word of God. Can I just encourage you, if you're in here today and you feel like no one cares about what you're doing, if you feel like no one sees what you're doing, can I just encourage you, the only person that matters sees what you're doing, knows what you're doing, cares about what you're doing, and will raise you up at the right time. Why? Because he has a way. And his ways are not our ways. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? Maybe you're in here today and it's like, man, I needed this message because I used to dream about God using me. But if you're honest today, online as well, you're honest today, you haven't dreamed those dreams or you've forgotten about those things. Or maybe you've just put them in the box of disappointment in your life. This is what I believe is the word of the Lord for people today is God can use anything and God can use anyone. And if you're in here today and you feel like God has forgotten you, you need to hear me say it. Even if it's just me saying it, God has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten your purpose. He has not forgotten your plan. He has not forgotten the dreams and the desires He puts in, the people, in, in, his, in, in his people's hearts. He knows you. He cares about you. He loves you. And at the right time, He'll raise you up. You think about your dream. You think about, oh, I want to do great things, great exploits for God. But you don't know how. Well, it says here when we read it in, I think it was Luke 1 or Matthew 2, but what did the angels say to Mary? It was because she asked the question, how? How's this going to happen? And you might be in it today, you're like, I don't know how God's going to bring about this dream in my life. Can I just encourage you? It's the Holy Spirit. And so if you're in here today and you've never experienced what it's like to have the Holy Spirit come into your life, I want to pray for you. It's not weird. It's not like anything crazy happens. It's just as simple as opening up your heart and saying, Holy Spirit, come in. Come in and give me healing. Come in and give me power. Come in and help me. That's what the Holy Spirit's job description is. He's a helper. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you're in here today and that's for you, I just actually I want, just want every single one of us just to open up our hands just as a sign of surrender, a, a welcoming posture in our hearts, connecting us to our hearts. But if you've never received the Holy Spirit, this is what I want you to do. When I pray, I just want you to ask God, Holy Spirit, I want you. I need you. 
And we're going to believe together, just like we see in the book of Acts, that He's going to come, He's going to fill you. And it's going to be His power that works in you from now on. And maybe you're in here today and it's just like, man, I've forgotten about those dreams. I also want you to open up your hands in a posture of surrender and belief and faith and receiving what God has got for you. God, I just thank you that you're in the business of raising people up and using people, often the people that seem like the the least likely, God. So God, I just pray that you would remind us of those dreams, that you would help us to remember what you said you would do, God, and we would understand that you have a plan, that you have a way of doing things. And Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would come and that you would fill us. Those of us that have never been filled with your Spirit before, I pray that you would come in for the very first time, that you would fill us up. Fill us up so we would have the power to function. Fill us up so that we would have the help that we need. Fill us up so that we would know what to do. That you would lead us into the truth. And for those of us that have you, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill us all over again. A new filling, a fresh filling, fresh fire, fresh anointing, Lord to do what you've called us to do. Thank you, God, that you make a way. Thank you, Lord, that you said you're on the way. And thank you, God, that you have your ways in Jesus' name. Come on, church. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.